ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. He's Matt Sarah. I'm Rich Shane. This is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rich. Really, really excited to be on. I love talking beer, and today we get to talk light beer. And we met John at Pints in the Square, which is a beer festival in the Newtown Square, Brumall area. And we tried your beer and I'm like, I can't believe this is a light beer. Right. So, Matt, how did Sarah Brewing and Kenwood get started? Yeah, so thanks thanks for the words about, you know, you can't believe it's a light beer because that's kind of the point of, of Kenwood, right? We want everyone to know that there is a, a better light beer option out there um, because, you know, at the end of the day, having light beer around, we think is something that most drinkers still do um, because you there's so many great beers out there. But a light beer under four and a half, percent that you can have more than a few of for any different occasion is is still super important and super relevant in the market. I came up with Kenwood and and the whole premise of this as I was working for Victory Brewing. Everyone is familiar with Victory. Um, they make some of the best beers in the world. But as you kind of work through the industry and, and you you go to so many bars and, and beer stores and, and you really dive into the industry every single day. Um, I felt that there was a void for a, a light beer option that I loved to drink that was brewed in, in Philadelphia. Um, I mean, the, the, the grand premise of this all was that St. Louis has Budweiser. Uh, Milwaukee has Miller. We wanted Philadelphia to have its own light beer uh, but we wanted it to be, you know, the best version of a light beer that we could make. So with that, um, we, we got a couple of partners. Uh, we found a good recipe and we found some super, super good brewers that we we trusted with it. And we were off and running. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there to unpack. Now, yeah. at, at some point, I, I think you recognize beer history and brewing history where does Matt come into that? Like, you know, your love of beer or your love of brewing, you talked about working with victory, you know, talk about your progression through the brewing industry a little bit. Yeah. So my, my real, uh, I, I, my most skills lie within sales and marketing. So out of college or in college, I worked for some wholesalers Anheuser-Busch wholesalers, and that was merchandising and, you know, driving big Bud Light trucks around and hanging signs at the biggest beer distributors all over Pennsylvania. Um, and then I moved into sales with some other wholesalers. And then I worked for Anheuser-Busch in sales and marketing. Um, and you, I mean, look, Anheuser-Busch, 
I know people don't like a lot of their beers and, and sometimes what they do, but they're the masters of, of this beer industry that everyone's in, right? So I learned a lot working for Anheuser-Busch and then with Victory, the same thing. Um, with Victory, it was cool because um, I would hang out with, with Bill Kovaleski, uh, the founder, and God, talk about learning a lot about beer. That guy just an encyclopedia of beer knowledge. So it was cool working with Victory because you learned a lot like hands-on. I mean, in the brewery, whenever we needed to be touring people and being that we were local, you would take bars and restaurants on tours of the brewery, you know, once a month or whatever. So when you're, you know, on brewery tours, you learn a lot because you're doing it more, more and more. Um, I've homebrewed in the past, very little. I, I liked it, but I don't have the patience that some people do to do that. So I, I, I homebrewed. Um, I trained for the Cicerone and with Anheuser-Busch with, with Master Cicerone. So my beer knowledge is above average, but I'm never going to say that I know as much as a guy that brews our beer or someone that's been brewing beer for 20 years. Um, they're in the brew house every day and they, they know so much more about the process and the details of, of beer than I do. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not just some schmo that, that has no idea what's, what's going on with, with, with Kenwood. It really sounds like a lot of what you spoke about in your experience, you have a super huge base in branding and marketing. Yeah. Take that from what you learned with Anheuser-Busch and Victory and how you've applied that to Kenwood and, and just the branding and marketing. I mean, the packaging and, and everything else is people get to know what you're all about. Yeah, so we 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 really focus on, as you said, our brand and our marketing, right? Because we leave the beer making to our our head brewer, who who we can get to later, um, that we contract it all out to. Uh, but what we can focus on is the sales and marketing efforts that really are, you know, seventy five percent of this entire game. I mean, we all know that there's so many great beers out there that don't get the proper attention. I'm sure you've had beers that you're like, wow, no one knows about this and no one cares about it. And, and why is that? Probably because the sales and marketing efforts are lacking. So we really wanted to combine um, finding a guy that could brew beer better than anyone with our crew that could sell and market it just um, hell or high water and, and see where we could land. So branding and marketing are so important to us because um, – you know, if we can get the beer in as many people's hands as we can, we know that our brewer is taking care of it being the best version of itself. Now, Kenwood, Kenwood Original. How'd you come up with yeah, the name? Yeah. So the short answer is that it's the um, it's the first street I grew up on in, in Drexel Hill in Delaware County. So Kenwood was my street that I spent the first 15, 10, 15 years of my life. A lot of great memories there um, down the street from my elementary school. So Kenwood and their street signs on the um, on the emblem. So it's really kind of everyone grew up on a street. Everyone has their street sign. Everyone has their corner. So there's a little bit of that to it. But also um, listening to Sarah Blakely. She's the founder of Spanx. Super cool entrepreneur. Love, love. I had no idea we'd be talking about Spanx on the podcast. I know. <laughs> no one does, but that's why, that's why it's a podcast because we can get to that. So Sarah Blakely um, in her podcast, she says that K hard K sounds are, are really rememberable, right? You have like, 
Kit Kat and like McDonald's and, and that is a really memorable sound and people can say it. So when I was looking through names, like how we wanted to really tie this in, that was kind of the deciding factor hearing from her that if you have like a hard K, people will certainly remember it better than a, a name like, you know, without any hard, hard sounds to, to grasp onto. That's fascinating. I mean, you can really hear the desire to create a brand with Kenwood yeah. Yeah. and yeah. connect. I think the thing about this is like you talk about the street signs, you talk about the area where you grew up in Trexel Hill. There's yeah. a connection with the brand. You know, you yeah. want to feel like you're opening up that neighborhood, you know, yeah. corner brew, right? How does that resonate? Do you think, I mean, right now you're taking over the Philly community, right? You're the only that I'm aware of that's, you know, again, the idea is that you became laser focused on making a light beer when everybody I think is shooting for, all right, I'm going to do the IPAs. I'm going to do the hazies. I'm going to do the lagers, the pilsners. You shot right for a light beer and are branding that out. Yeah. How do you now take this from that local, you know, Philadelphia area and grow it to a national brand? Yeah, so there's some of the, I don't want to say challenges because we haven't attacked them yet, but that's what we're looking forward to in, in the next year or two, right? How do we make sure we don't come become too hyper-focused on Philadelphia, but we make it so that um, New Jersey, Delaware, Chicago, and Florida all understand the branding behind it? And I think a lot of it does come back to like that hominess of it, right? Because these street signs on our logo can be any two streets in the country, in the world, really, right? So if we can get every market to understand that, hey, we know you drink a lot of light beer, but here's one that's a little bit better. And it comes from a place where you can make it your own, right? You brand this as your local light beer. You you brand this as your favorite light beer. Um, it's really about getting it into consumers' hands and then telling the story of where we came from. Whereas you said, a lot of breweries um, will attack the market with five or six different beers and different SKUs, but not really have a story or, or a brand message behind it. And those beers can be amazing, um, but they'll fall flat because the marketing and sales efforts aren't congruent with, with what they're doing. So if we go to a market, we want to make sure that the beer is up to par and that we can send the same message that we sent to Philadelphia um, that, hey, we're going to come attack you with the best light beer you have. Um, but also, you know, there's going to be a, a personality and, and real people behind this thing. Take us into the R&D department, the discovery department, as to where yeah. you met with your head brewer and you worked through that flavor profile that this is exactly you knew where you were taking this light beer. Yeah. So we'll go back to where we started with this thing. Um, a good friend of mine who now um, is one of the owners and founders of Wrong Crowd Brewing in Westchester. His name is Dan Shaw. He's a great brewer. He um, had a little spot in Bryn Mawr and I asked him if he could brew this recipe that I found, um, you know, that I, I came up with, found, read about for Kenwood. And with no hesita- hesitation, he brewed the first batch of Kenwood and we loved it. And the premise of that was to have the light beer profile, which includes rice. So Kenwood does have rice, um, but use, you know, higher quality hops, yeasts, and so on and so forth. So Dan brewed our first keg and we loved it because it had that little light beer familiarity with with the rice to it. 
and it was light and it was drinkable. Um, but it was a notch better than your any other light lager we've seen out there. So from there, we took it to um, Doylestown Brewing Company, where we brewed for about five months with uh, Joe Modestine. He helped us greatly. Um, we started putting beer into cans. We had kegs. We were brewing seven barrel batches at a time. Um, and it was cool. We were just, you know, making sure that we could get it to the market and it would sell and it was selling. So Joe dialed in a little bit more and he got us five or six batches in a row that were, were killer and we really, really liked. So then to start 2020, we um, I reached out to Brian O'Reilly, who brews at Mainstay, um, but he brewed at Sly Fox for 20 years. And he's truly one of the best lager brewers in you know, I say the country, but certainly Pennsylvania. So it really was kind of like a, hey, I know this guy. Could you brew this for us? And Brian, you know, he took us on. And I don't know if he thought we were crazy. Like he was like, you're just going to brew one beer with me. But we were like, yeah, like that's all we want to do. We want to brew one beer that we like and we want to sell. So since we got to Mainstay in 2020, he's dialed it in to be like just, uh, I mean, Every time I drink a pint at the bar, like on drift, I'm like, wow, he's got this beer to a point that is so good. It's always fresh. Um, it, it's amazing what a great brewer can turn just what seems like a simple recipe. What's exciting for me, and I get these little hairs that stand on the stand up on the back of my neck, is to hear you talk about the Philadelphia regional brewing scene and yeah. all the people that come together to help you. Yeah. And I mean, Dan over at Wrong Crowd, they're great. They make some significant, phenomenal beers. Amazing beers, you, yeah. But, but the journey to Doylestown and Mainstay, when you consider, again, I think there's a connection to history from a lot of what you do. And you, connect, you consider the connection to history in Philadelphia. And yep. this goes back, we're going back to the 1800s and the growth of the brewing industry in Philadelphia. This is that craft way of taking that all together and everybody coming yeah. together to develop and make everybody better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, what's so cool still. And again, I'm not like a brewer. I never had a brewery, but just from working in well-respected breweries and ha having a sales background, I could get people like Dan to talk to me and then Joe to talk to me. And eventually Brian at mainstay, they'd all have the conversation because Again, although I can't go brew 60 barrels of beer like Brian does for us, he knows that I know this guy who knows this guy who can vouch for Matt being a good guy. And, and you know, they, they can sit down and have a conversation with me. And yes, it also helps that I can go talk about, you know, which hops we're going to use, how our yeast strain is, how big of barrels we want to do. That all is important. But each level that we've gone, we couldn't have done it without having having good friends and good people in, in this industry. What's it like for you when you walk into a bar or a beer store and you see your label and your product on the shelves or on the tap? It's it's the best. I yesterday I was at a I was at a bar in Center City, a new spot that we love and they're selling a lot of Kenwood for us called Polly G's. Um I was there just catching up with one of the managers and there's two Padres fans at the bar. I'm like, God damn it. Is this going to be a Padres bar today? Like this, this isn't what we want, but oh, come on. We're so inclusive here. Come <laughs> yes, on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, God damn. Well, whatever. But they're both drinking Kenwood. I'm like, 
Wow, that's one that's amazing that these people are drinking Kenwood on a Sunday at like 12 o'clock. They're headed down to the game. If they're from San Diego and now they're drinking Kenwood, that's amazing. So after that, I walk outside and there's a Kenwood like littered on the ground next to the bar, which part of my brain, I'm like, this is awesome. Someone was drinking a Kenwood and just like crush it. The other part, part of me made me go pick it up and take it in my truck so I could I could dispose of it. But like those little things, when you see Kenwood like in people's hands or, or in a trash can or anything, it's it's amazing because it's easy, obviously easy for us and our friends to, to love this beer. But when there's people that, don't know us from Adam and and they're drinking five at the bar and then they leave with one. It's the coolest thing in the world. It never, ever gets old. You talk about, you know, there's so many light beers that people have a choice of purchasing or consuming. How do you develop that, you know, customer, that brand follower, that this is my go-to? What, what do you think is the mindset there to say, Hey, I know there's a sea of choices out there. This is the one, try it. Because when, you know, it, it's a matter of getting it on the lips, right? Yeah. Yep. Once yep. you get it on somebody's palate, you can really create that, you know, that, you know, that, that you know, Kenwood drinker for life. Yeah. But how do you get to that point where somebody's willing to say, all right, you know, I see that light beer, that one's on tap, that one's, you know, I can get that in a can or bottle. How do you see that creation of getting through all that, you know, haze? Yeah, I know that's that's the million dollar question, right? It's it's like why um, why the big guys are so success successful is because they tell these stories and, and get to these customers better than anyone. Um, I think for us though, it's about getting personable and showing our personality and connecting to what we see as the light beer consumer. Um, I, I think the light beer consumer has changed in the past twenty years. Uh, it's not just your 30-pack guy who is drinking 30 a week and, and buying it once a week on, on their couch. I think the light beer consumer has changed a little bit to the um, the craft beer guy that also needs a light beer in their fridge, where they'll drink a couple hazy IPAs at the bar, but then they need to switch to something that they know is good, but it's it costs $4 less and has 4, 4% less ABV. So we, we try to understand where our consumer is drinking and what they're drinking, right? Because it's, it's to be the only thing someone drinks right now, it's becoming harder and harder. But if we can be the only light beer you drink, you know, that's, that's where we want to land. So you can look at what people drink besides Kenwood, where people drink, and even how with, with draft versus cans. So when you kind of put all of these things together, you can see the best place to attack. It is the best place for us to attack a 19.2 ounce can um, in a dive bar in, in, in Northeast Philly? Maybe not, but is it that $4 draft special at a craft spot in, in South Philly? Probably. So as you as you as you go and as you grow, you learn more about your consumers and you learn more about your retailers and you see what moves and, and, and really what moves the needle as you um, as you sell more beer, you know, each month. I, you know, I, I think about what you're sharing there and I think about how we connect. You know, let, let's face it. You're going to hang out with your crew, right? Yeah. You're going yeah. to hang out. You got you got an event coming up, and 
you say, look, this is a good beer. This is a good idea if I bring this light beer. But I think there's this connection to say, you know, if you show up with a, you know, with with a, with, with some cans or the Kenny pack, as you call it, right? Yeah. There's a reflection on the drinker as yeah. to say, you know, how does this, you know, how do people look at me or consider me with what I'm bringing? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's crazy. Especially like, in the craft industry. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because we have the Kings of light beer, right? And, and you can show up anywhere with a Bud Light 30 pack and everyone will know what that is. So for us, it's about making Kenwood cooler. Like if someone shows up with Kenwood, um, we want everyone at that party, like you're saying to say, Oh, that guy, he, he, you know, he must be on social media. He must be in tune with the Philadelphia market. He must know about Kenwood. Like I do, you know, that's, that's cool. Not, you know, it's, and it starts a conversation. No one's ever going to start a conversation over Bud Light 30 pack being brought to a party. And again, that's okay. If we're ever in that space where no one's starting a conversation on Kenwood, we'll be thrilled. But for now it's about people connecting saying, Oh, I follow Kenwood on Twitter. Um, did you see their giveaway they did? And and the guy, you know, that brought it also follows us on Twitter or he had it at his favorite bar. And he's like, I always drink it at Pauly G's, you know, you should drink it there. So we're, we're still in that like super young stage where the conversation around it can still be cool because we're still so, I mean, we're known so much less than so many, so many beers that keeping it to that kind of cool new light beer is still a space we want to be in. Well, let's face it. The Phillies just um, took care of the Padres and uh, are now going to the world series. But you know, the reality of is right now, based on our conversation, their celebration really wasn't cool. Because I probably <laughs> guess they didn't have Kenwood in the locker room. Not and, yet. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's something now they can strive for uh, for the World Series championship. So, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know that- watching Bryce Harper crack open a Kenwood and uh, hopefully he consumes it and enjoys it before he pours it over somebody's head. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And that's, you know, the ultimate goal is to be in that locker room one day. And it's it's just amazing to see, like, um, how big brands can get where that beer bottles on that TV last night and everyone knows what beer that is. It's, it's amazing. Well, they have, they have some, they have their work cut out for them in their number one playing and achieving and, you know, their selection of beer. Well, <laughs> yeah, I waited right, this right. long. And right. uh, like I said, we enjoyed this at Pints in the Square and there were, you know, over the course of the day, there were 20 breweries and you're pouring. So that's 40 selections or more. It's a lot. And this was refreshing to me. This yeah. was flavorful. And I'm, I'm, the first thing I said to John was, how come I've never heard of this before? So that's where you introduce people at those beer festivals yeah. and yeah. in a lot of other ways. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, that's super important because, again, we're not doing anything new. We're just bringing a new, a new kind of Philadelphia-based twist to the biggest category in beer. The color on this, it's fun because it pours like a, a, like almost like a wheat beer on the color. Right. right. But it comes out as as more of a, a Pilsner style. Yeah. You get that you get that wheat, that that more deep amber rich wheat. Um, you know, you don't get the red tones, but you get more of the uh the yellowish tones. Yeah. Um, nice, nice, like you know, you can't see this on the podcast while you're driving. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You know, I pour this well, it 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 comes up with a nice frothy head, which now gives me that anticipation that I'm going to have a creamy mouthfeel. 
Talk about, I mean, you, you mentioned how Dan at Wrong Crowd helped you, you know, create that recipe, that flavor profile. But but talk about maybe some of the ideas for where you were coming from or they were coming from that they were shooting for for that flavor. So the number one flavor profile that we wanted to attack was that that profile that we get with with the rice. So most craft breweries and, you know, they don't use rice because uh, what it does to the beer. But for us to have that familiarity with the light beers and adding that crispness was was super important. So along with that, we use Columbus hops that gives it that bite at the end. So it's not just a crisp beer that has nothing to it. With the hops, you have the bite on the back end. So you kind of have a full beer from first sip until, until it goes down your throat. And, you know, adding those two things is important to us because it gives you the light beer taste, but it gives you the flavor of a, a better light beer, as we say. There's a lot of things that I experience, and I appreciate you taking me through that, you know, flavor journey that you were right. looking to create. You know, there's certainly, you get the spiciness, and I think coriander, or I think uh, more baking notes in the right. flavor, some citrus as you're drinking it. And you you really describe that that hop experience, that 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 finish that still lingers on, on the palate. Right. And I, I, I would say when you know, the, the idea of a light beer, what do people say? There's no flavor. You know, yeah. I, I want yeah. something with flavor and this epitomizes flavor where you stop and say, I can't believe this is a light beer. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the, the only pushback that we'll get is that people will say, well, it's not like 96 calories or 99 calories light. And I say, yeah, that's completely fair. Right. It's never going to be the Corona light Michelob ultra calorie count where, you can, you know, no, you can drink a beer under a hundred calories, but Kenwood's 127 calories. So the only beers that are lighter are the ones I just, just described Bud Light, Miller Light, Michelob Ultra, Corona Light. Every other beer that you see in the market um, is either equal to like a Budweiser or a Yingling or, or has more calories than than Kenwood. So when we say light beer, we mean that it's lighter than about ninety eight percent of the market, and that's that's a good place to be. Um, maybe one day we'll we'll bring a beer out that's um, less than a hundred calories, but sacrificing the flavor is the last thing we want to do, right? And and when I drink, you know, I haven't done it in a long time, but when I drank the beers that were under a hundred calories, to me there was just nothing to them, and I, I didn't like to drink them. Let's like face it, you're not, you're not making a seltzer, right? No, yeah, you're not making a beer seltzer. We say that all the time too. Like when we drink beer, like, you know, you're going to have some calories in your stomach, just prepare for it. And we're not going to give you a 230 calorie beer. We're going to give you a, a, a light ABV and light calorie beer. But you're also not giving me an eight, nine, 10, 14 ABV beer. And right. now I can drink a, a number of these and enjoy that activity. I mean, you talk about, you know, hey, you're going, you know, out golfing with your buddies or, you know, there's that backyard party. There's those yeah. things where you want to drink and enjoy the flavor of beer, but you, you want to have, you know, the, the full experience without feeling like, well, either A, I had a couple and now I feel full. Right, or B, right. I had a couple and, you know, now I have to wonder if I can drive home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's of the utmost important to us that um, we, a lot of people tag us on social media when they're tailgating and it's such a great tailgate beer because 
you're in that for the long haul typically. Um, so if you have a beer that you can, you can sip on pretty much all day, um, it, it makes us feel good. That, that was the point of it, right. To make, to make this beer that, that you could drink 15 of, um, across a weekend or, or whatever. Talk about where, you know, you're looking, we, we, you know, we talked about national dominance or world dominance. A yeah. Little bit. World dominance. But, yeah. But talk about, <laughs> talk about the plan, talk about the next couple of years and, the focus and goal of, of, you know, Kenwood, of Sarah Beer Company are, are, is there another skew that you're thinking about doing? Talk about some of that. Yeah. So right now we offer 12 ounce cans in a six pack or a 15 pack. And then we offer draft beer as well. Um, coming by the end of November, we'll have 16 ounce cans out, out into the market. So we like that. Um, just because, again, it's it's a light beer that we can hit a few avenues with that we're not hitting now. Um, and 16-ounce cans, as everyone knows, are becoming increasingly popular. So if we can get an affordable 16-ounce can on the shelf and um, hopefully into some other avenues, then, then we should, you know, we, we want to keep that around. Moving into next year, we want to bring out more Kenwood, um, I call them variants, Right. So a little offshoots of Kenwood. So when you think of what you can do with a light lager, the possibilities are endless. Right. You could do a lime. You could do a lemon. You could do a raspberry. You could do a super light. You could do a super heavy. You could do a super dry. You could go anywhere with it. So we have some pretty strong ideas of what we're going to do um, in February and March. Nothing official yet, but we want to bring out at least two Kenwood variants that you know, can sit next to Kenwood on the shelf and are there for the same drinking occasions. So the Kenwood name will never have a beer that's a hazy IPA um, or a beer that you can only drink one or two of. That's not what Kenwood is. Kenwood's always going to be the fun beer that you can have a few of at a, at a tailgate or at a party. Um, now for Sarah Beer Company, which is the parent company above Kenwood, we will bring out more brands. Um, Sarah Beer will offshoot into pretty much anything. We, we want to dive into a wit beer. We want to dive into a hazy IPA, um, but they won't be Kenwood branded, if, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So you, yeah. you have all these different flagships. Yeah. Again, that you connect with the brand. Here's what yeah. I can say. If I'm out and I can say to the bartender or you know, I show up with something different, I'm associating myself and you're not just going and I, I think there's some value here. And I really appreciate what you're doing in terms of, I, I can associate with Kenwood now and I can yes. order that. And people are looking at me going, if you haven't heard about it, what's a Kenwood? Then yes. I'm like, here, try this. Right. And again, it's really to me and what's important. It's also about what you're putting in the cans, what yeah. you're putting on draft full of flavor you really get a feeling that you're having that beer experience versus, you know what? I want to order a beer because I want a little bit of beer flavor. This is a beer that can right. stand up against right. many things and it's craft yeah. and you can yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I think at the end of the day, that's what's most important to us is that even with these Kenwood variants, we're still playing into the Kenwood drinker. So the same guy or girl who sits at the bar looking for light flavorful, affordable, can do that with Kenwood lime or, or Kenwood lemon. So we're not changing the, the drinker at all. We're just giving them more options and trying to grow our drinker base of, of people that know the Kenwood brand. Now, 
if, you know, when we brew a wit beer, is that consumer different? Probably we look at an Allagash or, or Blue Moon and they have a different consumer than, than Bud Light and, and, um, you know, even, even craft Pilsners. So we'll have to attack a different consumer base and we, maybe we do that in a different way. But at the end of the day, you know, as you mentioned, having what goes in that glass be enjoyable and, and be a high quality product is, is what's most important. Matt, we've talked a lot about Kenwood and Sarah Brewing, Sarah Beer Company. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't shared on the podcast that you want to have people know about what you're doing or what to expect down the road? Um, besides following us on social media, and that's where we, we probably talk too much on social media. Um, Twitter is where we're most active, which we love because we can connect to consumers the best on Twitter. And then obviously Instagram, Facebook are, are great. Um, but following us on, on social media is cool because we get to keep up with what we're doing. We'll give away things. We have tons of merch that, that we love to sell. Um, and then, you know, hopefully if we do this again in a year, we have a, a, a location of our own coming in, into play. But right now it's, it's still about brewing our, our beer, uh, via contract agreement at mainstay and making sure that, you know, he can continue to continue to brew our beer at a super high level. When you, you know, I, 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 I said this before, I asked about this before, but you're creating this local brand that's going to become a national brand. Do, do, does that, I mean, what does your family say? When, 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 when you have those conversations, I mean, Thanksgiving's coming, right? Yeah. And they say, like, they say, shut up, Matt. All you do is talk about Kenwood. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're, it's, 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 you know, that's kind of the whole entire point of it is as, um, you know, even like today we're, we're looking through merchandise sales and two years ago when we started starting selling merch, it was like all of our little neighborhood and we knew everyone that, that bought the merchandise. Now, like the merchandise, it, I don't know anyone that orders it. And it's like, that's the best, right? We're shipping merchandise wherever we need to. And you don't know these names, but it's these people that are supportive of the brand. Um, and they're, they're buying our merch. And merch is, you know, buying a 15 pack or a six pack is the ultimate goal. But merch is really cool because they're digging into their pockets a little deeper. And they're putting like the, our brand on their chest or on their back. Um, and that's like, you know, to think that sometimes we'll see a guy in like a Kenwood sweatshirt, just walking in, in a part of, of Philadelphia. It's, it's super cool. So it's almost like having your own gang colors. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and exactly. And, 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 you know, you know, not to wear like your Budweiser red around us, you better not wear that. No, that, that would be a bad, that, you know, you're just going to ship them off to San Diego with the Padres now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 we, we try to stay, you know, really in tune with like our branding and our colors. So one day, hopefully it's, it's a recognizable color scheme. I love further it. than further than just our, our local bars. I love it. I really appreciate your time today. I, I love, I was so looking forward to getting to know more about your story and understanding and learning about the journey of your beer, the Kenwood original. And I can't wait to see all the great things that's coming out of Sarah Beer Company. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Rich, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. And look, anytime you want to do it, we are down. We're down to talk. I'm down to drink and enjoy your beer too. Thank you so awesome. much. Thanks, Rich.